Welcome to Truth for Transformation with Timothy Brown. Timothy is the lead pastor of Arden First Baptist Church in Arden, North Carolina. Our mission is to lead ordinary people into extraordinary life in Christ. We pray that today's message inspires you to live an extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. Check out our website for more inspiring resources, ArdenFBC.com. Now, here's today's message from Pastor Timothy Brown. Hello, Arden First family and friends. We want to welcome you to Arden at Home. Pastor Timothy here, streaming straight into your living room, your couch, wherever you're at. I want to introduce my Arden at Home audience. On my left or right is... Angie. And... And I'm Kurt Rector. Yes, and they've been coming to the church for a while now. And Angie, tell us a little bit about your yourselves for those of who haven't met you. Well, uh, we've been living in Western North Carolina for about five years now. Um, made a retirement move. Uh, Kurt and I have um, been together for eight years. We found ourselves um, single, and um, God just... Uh, worked a miracle and brought us together. Um, We have seven children, and we have our 14th grandchild on the way. Wow. Um, Living the dream. That's good. You know, seven's the perfect number. Yes, it is. Seven's the perfect number. That's good. Well, for those of you who are at home and maybe single, single again, maybe Kurt and Angie's story inspires you how God brought them together, and you never know what God's going to do. So if you're at home and you're single, go ahead and write that in the comment section. And if someone gives a thumbs up, Watch out. (laughs) All right. So we're going to be in Luke 23. For those of you who are our special guests online, we're going verse by verse through Luke's gospel. And Angie, we've been in Luke for almost two years. So we're getting close to the finish line. Next week, I think we're going to hit chapter 24. So as you turn to Luke 23, I want to give a little story. I can still remember it it was around this time several years ago, um, 11 years to be exact, that I, I was invited to a bonfire. And, uh, Kurt, it was one of these fun times where friends get together, summertime, you know, maybe roasting some s'mores, um, just sitting by the fire. And it was really cool. There was about 12 of us there. And I recognized everybody there, but Angie, there was one person I had never met before. And she had me at hello, let's just put it that way, because it was dark. I didn't know what she looked like. It wasn't love at first sight, Kurt, because I, I, I couldn't see her. But her voice, and I could tell she wasn't from Appalachia. She didn't have the southern. And by the way, I am from Appalachia. Uh, don't. It's funny. Don't let the lack of accent deceive you. I'm from here. People welcome me to town, and I'm like, I'm from here. Don't welcome me. I'm from here. But she didn't have the southern Appalachian dialect. And uh, I heard her voice, and I'm like, wow, she's got this girly girl voice. I, I looked her up online. You know, that's when Facebook was, you know, coming coming alive. And I, I got to know her a little bit. I found out that she had just moved from Miami, Florida. Shout out to all my Floridians out there. And it was like, wow, this this person really began to capture my attention. And over time, Angie, I began pursuing her. And I'm like, you know, and she had just moved. So she wasn't really ready to get in another relationship right away. She wanted to spend time with God. She had just given her life to Christ. And long story short, she had me at hello. And she was a character in that crowd that changed my life. There were a lot of other characters in that crowd, but only one altered my destiny. So with that story, we're going to dive into the text, and we're going to talk about the characters surrounding the cross. 
how one person can forever change your life and your destiny. And we're going to talk about a greater relationship than boy meets girl, than husband, wife. We're going to talk about your relationship with God. So today we're going to read a lengthy passage. So if you'll follow along in your Bibles, if you don't have your Bible out, the scripture will be on the bottom of your screen. So we're going to be reading Luke 23, 13 through 43. And as we read this, I want to ask you this question. What character do you most relate with? Who's the character you relate to when it comes to the characters of the cross? Starting in verse 13. Then Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests, the rulers and the people, said to them, you have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people. And indeed, having examined him in your presence, I find no fault in this man concerning those things which you accuse him. Nor neither did Herod, for I sent him back to you. And indeed, nothing deserving of death has been done by him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. For it was necessary for him to release one to them at the feast. And notice the reaction of the crowds. Isn't it interesting, Kurt, how the crowds can be so fickle? Look at the crowd's response. And they all crowd at once saying, away with this man and release to us Barabbas, who had been thrown into prison. For a certain rebellion made in the city and for murder. Pilate, therefore, wishing to release Jesus, called again out to them. But they shouted all the more, crucify him, crucify him. Time out. Now, Angie, I want to ask you a question. How can the same crowd that was saying Hosanna just a week before, how can they be shouting crucify him? What do you think? Fickle. Fickle. You know, a lot of times we go along with what's politically correct, right? We go along with the crowd. And I want to encourage you today, it's not what's politically correct, it's what's biblically correct. Because the crowds change with the climate. They can be for something one day and against something the next day. So in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic, I just want to pause and say, remember, the Bible is the only source of true news. It's the only source of what's correct. So don't go with what is PC, but what's BC, what's biblically correct. All right, let's resume the text. That was your little commercial break, a little rant there. All right. So verse 22, when he said to them the third time, why, what evil has he done? I found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise and let them go. But look at their response. But they were insistent. He gave them another chance. Let's release Jesus. They insisted, demanding with loud voices that Jesus to be crucified and the voices of these men and of the chief priests prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. And they released to them the one they requested, who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison, but he delivered Jesus to their will. Now notice the crowd, their, their response, that they're very vocal, they're loud. When you try to talk reason to a crowd, they just scream louder. Have you ever noticed that sometime in today's culture you can't have a dis- conversation or discussion with somebody? And when you try to present an alternative view, they just get louder. So it's nothing new. This happened even in Jesus' day and time. Look at verse 26. We're marching to the cross now. Now, as they led Jesus away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon from Kyrene, who was coming from the city. And on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And a great multitude of the people followed him. And women also mourned and lamented him. But Jesus turning to them and said, daughters of Jerusalem. I love how how compassionate is daughters of Jerusalem. Do not weep for me, 
but weep for yourselves and your children. For indeed, the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren, wombs that never bore, and breasts which never nursed. For they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills cover us. For they do these things in the green wood, what will be done in the dry? There were also two others, criminals, led with Jesus to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, someone say Calvary. Calvary. There they crucified Jesus. And the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with him sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. And here's what the inscription said. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanging beside Jesus, blasphemed blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, seeing that we are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Now notice this this simple prayer. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered to him, Assuredly, which means this is truly, this is of certainty, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Father, we thank you for your word. And this is a dramatic passage at the cross. And as we think about the last moments of the life of Jesus, help us to look at the characters of the cross Help us to look at what you're trying to teach us and what life lesson we can learn. So, Lord, as we take a journey to the cross today, we pray that your blessing will be upon your word. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you just joining us on this live stream, I would encourage you to go and share this message on your profile so others can watch it. Today, we're going to look at six characters of the cross. And, and Angie, as we look at this cross, uh, what, are some, what are some things that come to your mind when you think about the cross of Jesus? Is there anything that just popped in your mind that you think of? All the sin that I've caused yeah. for him to carry that cross. That's good. So the sins, the personal sins. What, is, what about you, Kurt? The beauty of the, in, of the immensity of his sacrifice for yeah. someone as unworthy as we are. Wow, that's, that's beautiful. So today, just a little preview, we're going to look at six characters surrounding the cross of Christ. And as we read this, I want to ask you the question, which character do you most relate with? So the first character we have here is Barabbas. He was the lawbreaker who was set free. In verses 13 through 25, if you look through your scriptures, we see that both Pilate and Herod wanted to set Jesus free. Pilate said, I find no fault in Jesus. Herod couldn't find anything. They wanted to let him go. But what happened was the religious leaders stirred up the crowd. And as Angie mentioned, the the crowd was very fickle. Many in the same crowd were screaming, Hosanna, Lord, save us. And then several days later, they were saying, Kurt, crucify him. And it's like, how could they go from save us to crucify him? 
Well, they were fickle. They were led by leaders who weren't leading them the right way. So we see that Jesus was there. And instead of letting Jesus go free, they let Barabbas go free. Now, I want you to think about this. Barabbas, the text says, was a murderer. He was an insurrectionist, meaning he was anti-government. So you have this anti-government person that committed murder and you have Jesus. So I want you guys to see the contradiction here between personalities. One is a life giver. The other is a life taker. Barabbas was a punk. He was a murderer. Jesus was the chosen anointed son of God. Barabbas came to take life. Jesus came to give life. You, you see the, the contrast, a life giver and the life taker, Jesus and Barabbas. So when they ask, which one do you want to be released? Instead of asking for the life giver, they ask for the life taker. And what we see here is a principle. It's known as substitutionary atonement. And it's a principle we don't talk a lot about in churches anymore. So any of my at-home audience know what the word substitutionary atonement. This is totally unscripted, so it's okay if you don't know it. Substitutionary atonement. It's a big theological word. You want to take first grade? No. <laughs> I would guess that it's, it's uh, um, un, undeserved uh, uh, grace. Yeah. Uh, uh, forgive, un, un, undeserved forgiveness. That's good. That's a, that's a good summary. Substitutionary atonement basically means, as Kurt was saying, it's, it's undeserved and it's grace. What it, what it, what it paints the picture of is Jesus died in your place. He was a substitute. So in Barabbas, we see that Jesus died in my place. I want you to write this down. This is called the Barabbas principle. The Barabbas principle is Jesus died in my place so that I could be redeemed and set free. So you have the guilty Barabbas all of a sudden is now the set free Barabbas. And in that, you have a picture of what it's like in Christ that all of us come to Jesus like Barabbas. We're guilty. We're sinful. We're deserving of God's punishment and wrath. But Jesus comes and he dies in our place so that just like Barabbas was in a physical sense set free, we could be set free in a spiritual sense. The second character we have is Simon from Cyrene. He was a foreigner who followed Jesus. Now, you're like, where's Cyrene? I can't even pronounce it. Join the club. It's basically in the area of North Africa, and it's the modern-day city of Libya. So generally, Simon was typically a Greek name that was used by Jews because it resembled the patriarchal Simeon from the sons of Jacob. So most likely, this foreigner was a God-fearer. He was in the city during the time of Passover, so he had faith in the God of the Bible. So you have this foreigner who followed Jesus. Now, can you relate to that? How many of you have ever felt like you didn't fit in? I know I'm talking to somebody. In, in high school, you did not get voted most likely to succeed. In college, you did not get voted most popular. Whenever they had the dance, you were there in the corner. Some of you can relate. You just didn't fit in. And a lot of us can relate to Simon. He was a foreigner. He didn't belong, but yet he followed Jesus. And I think there's a spiritual analogy we can get that even though you are far, he's from a different country, God brought him near. And what's interesting is Simon was asked to carry the cross of Jesus. Now, typically, the person that was accused of the crime had to carry their own cross. And scholars talk about why, why did... Simon carried instead of Jesus, and most likely because of the, the beatings, 
the, the, the cruel punishment that Jesus had at, at the hand of the soldiers. He was beaten so severely that they enlisted Simon to help. And I think there's an amazing spiritual picture that you and I are called to carry the cross of Jesus. In Luke 9.23, Jesus says, If anyone desires to come after me, what is, he, what is he to do? To deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So I want you to get this. This is 1 Peter 2.10. Peter says, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So let me tell you this, friend. Once you were far, but now you are near. Once you were a nobody in this world, but now you're somebody in God's world. Once you were dead, but now you're alive. Once you were lost, but now you're found. I am Simon. I was a foreigner, but now I'm a son. I was in darkness, but now I'm in light. And I just think Simon, I just can only imagine after encountering Jesus, his life had been forever changed. We don't know the full story about Simon, but think about it. He encountered Jesus. He carried his cross. Do you think Simon saw the majesty of Jesus that day? All we can do is talk about the possibilities, but Simon carried the cross of Jesus. And I want to give you a Simon principle. This is just a spiritual application that you can apply. Foreigners become family. When they decide to follow Jesus, lay down your life and take up your cross to follow Jesus. Friends, I don't know what you're going through today, but when you look at Simon, you see purpose. When you when you carry the cross of Jesus, when you when you take part in the work of Jesus, the ministry. Some of you have taught Sunday school for years. Some of you have volunteered in the kids ministry. Some of you have given sacrificially to your finances. Some of you are going on mission trips. Some of you are sharing the gospel with your neighbors. Listen, there's purpose. And even though you once were far, now you're brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 The third character at the cross is actually a group. We see the daughters of Jerusalem in verses 27 through 31. And I love how Jesus gives them a gracious warning. And Angie, if you, if you look at, at the warning, Jesus is telling them not to weep for him, but for themselves, because hardships are going to come. Now, you, do you guys know what's about to happen? There's something big that's about to happen in AD 70. Any of you guys know what's going to happen? Persecution. Persecution, right. You remember the historical Destroy, event? Destroy the temple. Yep. The fall of Jerusalem in AD 70. So Jesus is warning them of disaster before it takes place. Now think about this. If you were getting ready to be nailed to a cross, would you have enough spiritual fortitude? Would you have enough empathy to warn someone else about their coming issue when you're dealing with your own issue? How many of you, when you're going through struggles, you're just up in your emotions? You don't have time to encourage anyone else. I just want to take a little principle from the life of Jesus that when you're going through an emotional situation, when you're going through a trial, pick up the phone and call someone else that's going through a trial. This is what Jesus is showing. It's like he warns people. He's helping people, even to the very end, even to the very last breath before he goes to the cross. He's warning people. And there's a principle. The application is nothing takes God by surprise. This coronavirus that we're going through, Kurt, do you think it took God by surprise? Nothing. Absolutely not. 
And Paul said in the book of Philippians that all these things that's happened to me, being in prison, the palace guard, all this has happened to furtherance the gospel. So I want to encourage you. God is going to use this coronavirus to help you to talk to people that you normally wouldn't talk to. You ever notice how your neighbors are all walking their dogs more than ever before now? <laughs> they're like not in work, so they're walking the dogs. What if you use the extra time you have? What if you use the extra opportunities you have meeting your neighbors, seeing each other to share the gospel? What, what if you use this pandemic as an opportunity to share Christ? So here, here's, here's a principle I want you guys to get. This is the Daughters of Jerusalem principle. God often warns us of great trouble in advance so that we can be ready. Friends, Jesus is coming back soon. So you need to get ready. You need to get ready. So here's a verse that we often forget when we're going through problems. It's John 16:33. Jesus said, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So friends, when you're in trouble, remember Jesus said you're going to have trouble. When you're going through hardship, remember Jesus said it's coming. But he said you can be of good cheer. This is not a flippant attitude towards tragedy. This is not a pie in the sky, by and by theology. This is Jesus has overcome all. So no matter what you're going through, the best days are still in front of you in Christ. It is not your best life now. The best days are in front of you. God's got a kingdom that's here and he's got a kingdom that's coming. And there's going to be a kingdom when there's no more weeping, no more tears, no more sorrow. There may be weeping for a night, but friend, joy comes in the morning. No matter what you're going through right now, God's got a plan for you. So don't let this pandemic steal the promise out of your heart. Don't let this situation rob you of your joy. Because Jesus says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The fourth character we have is the ruthless criminal. If you look at verses 32 through 39, this man rejected the greatest gift of his life. Now, I want you to see you have three crosses. In the middle is Jesus. The man on Jesus' left-hand side is mocking and ridiculing Jesus. Jesus, why don't you save us, if, if you have the power. And he, he's talking, he's mocking him, he's ridiculing, he's ridiculing. Jesus, save us and yourself if you are the Messiah, if you're the chosen one. And he's, he's ridiculing him throughout this time on the cross. And what's sad is the man did not realize that he was dying in his sin when Jesus was dying for his sin. Now think about that. This, this wretched criminal was dying in his sins because he did not realize that Jesus was dying for his sins. All he had to do is one thing, and that's believe. And that's true with you, friends. If you simply believe the gospel and you receive it, you don't have to die in your sins because Jesus died for your sins. There's one caveat to grace. There's one caveat, Kurt, and it's this. You have to receive it. I can't force grace upon you. I can't make you believe. I can't make you receive the gift of eternal life. You have to receive it. It's like a gift at Christmas. I can give it to you, but unless you unwrap it and open the gift, it, it's still wrapped up. And friends, I want to ask you this question. Have you received the gift of grace? And you may say, well, Timothy, I believe, I believe in God. Well, the Bible says that's good. The devil believes and trembles. It's not enough to have head knowledge. You have to receive the gift and that's the relationship God offers. Jesus stands at the door and he knocks on your heart. But you have to be willing to open up to him. 
Grace is free, but it's not cheap. The father made the greatest sacrifice in history when he allowed Jesus. He sent Jesus to die on the cross of Calvary. He surrendered his own son to be sacrificed for your sins and my sins. God's grace is available to all, but only those who receive it become the recipients of it, friends. So here's the ruthless principle. Every point we're talking about a principle. Here's a ruthless principle. Those who ruthless, ruthlessly reject God's grace have no one to blame but themselves. Those who ruthlessly reject God's grace have no one to blame but themselves. Number five, this is the fifth character we have, is the redeemed criminal. So, Kurt, we go from the ruthless criminal to the redeemed criminal, the man who received the greatest gift of life. So you have the man on Jesus' left-hand side that rejects Jesus, and then you have the, Jesus, the man on Jesus' right-hand side that says, Lord, remember me when you go into your kingdom. And what did Jesus say? Today you will be with me in paradise. So I want you guys to get this beautiful picture. They were dying in a place called Calvary. The second thief, instead of dying in his sins, died to his sins because he had an encounter with the one who was dying for his sins. So guys, I want you to get this picture. This is the beautiful picture of the characters of the cross. Three people were dying on Calvary's hill that day. Each one was dying. The ruthless criminal was dying in his sins. The redeemed criminal was dying to his sins. And the redeemer Christ was dying for everyone's sins. Not his own, but for the sins of the two thieves and the sins of the world. And friends, if you realize that you are like one of the thieves, you can reject Jesus and be like this hardened criminal. And you can reject his offer of grace, or you can be like the thief on Jesus' right-hand side that said, I'm unworthy, I'm a sinner, remember me. Let me give you one of the greatest principles of evangelism and salvation. Angie, you can't get saved until you first realize your loss. A lot of people think, well, I'm a Christian because my dad, my granddaddy, you know someone that was a pastor, your great uncles, aunts, nephews, niece, so you go down the family line, listen, God has no grandchildren. Ever thought about that? God has no grandchildren. He only has children. You have to personally receive it, personally accept it. doesn't matter if your great aunt's uncle's cousin on the third side was a pastor. You have to receive it for yourselves. So here's the redeemed criminal principle. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how shady your past is. If you're willing to come to Jesus today, you can be forgiven. So, friends, I know there's someone listening today. You may be in the state of Texas right now and you're listening to this and you're like, Timothy, you don't know what I've done. There may be someone in New York today that's listening to this and saying, you don't know what I did when I was a teenager. You don't know about what happened. And this is something that haunts me. Listen, friends, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what kind of person you've been. It doesn't matter what skeletons are in your closet. If you look to Jesus and say, Jesus... Remember me. I believe. Jesus, forgive me. You will be transformed from a criminal into a son or a daughter of God. That is grace. That is scandalous, amazing grace. You don't deserve it. You can't explain it. But that's the grace of God. And finally, each of these figures point to the last character we're talking about. This is the redeeming Christ. Jesus willingly laid down his life on the cross of Calvary. When you look at the scripture here, 
we see Jesus' mission complete. It says in the Gospel of Luke earlier, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. So friends, He came for you. He came for me. And listen, if you've been saved 50 years, you still need to preach the Gospel to yourself. The Gospel never gets old. The Gospel is not elementary. The Gospel is something you need every day. You need to eat the Gospel. You need to breathe the Gospel. If someone stabs you, you need to bleed it. You need to say it, spray it, will it, deal it, make them feel it. This is the gospel. It's the truth. You've got to apply it to your life. Because the gospel is not just to save you. It's to help you live the Christian life. It's to help you to reach others. So Jesus, even to the very end, was given his life. And it's as simple as John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So you have Jesus So when you think that God doesn't care about you, I want you to remember the thief on the cross. Jesus died for him so that the thief on the cross could become a brother in Christ. In just one moment in time, I want you to think about it, a criminal became a convert. Think about the thief on Jesus' right hand. A criminal became a convert. A sinner became a saint. A loser became a winner. A dead man became alive. A grievous darkness was replaced with glorious light. And just one flash of time, eternal doom was replaced with eternal destiny. Jesus died so that you could live. Which character do you relate most to? So today we we talked about different characters. We talked about Barabbas. He was the lawbreaker who was set free. How many of you were rebellious growing up? You were just like Barabbas. You broke all the rules you were ruthless. You were a pioneer. You did your own thing. A lot of you are like, I'm Barabbas. How many of you were like Simon, who was from a different, he was a foreigner. You just, you're the type of person you didn't fit in. You tried, but you felt just like Simon in a physical sense was a foreigner. You were that way in every crowd you went into. And I want to encourage you, God takes foreigners and makes them friends. He takes those who are far and he brings them near. What about the daughters of Jerusalem? we see that God gives warnings before it happens. Friends, I'm here to warn you that this world as we know it is not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Before the end comes, it's going to get worse. It's like, cheer up, the worst is yet to come. But the good news is the best is yet to come also because God's got a new heaven and new earth waiting for you. We have the ruthless criminal. How many are watching this online ministry, and you're still rejecting Jesus. You're still saying, well, that, that religion is just a crutch. Listen, don't harden your heart. Jesus is inviting you today to be saved. And then we have the redeemed criminal. The man, even at his last hour, said, remember me. And notice this man didn't have time to get baptized. He didn't have time to join a church. But we are saved by grace through faith. Not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. And all these characters point to an opportunity of a lifetime to receive the redeeming Christ. The redeeming Christ takes a criminal and makes this criminal a son or daughter of of him. This is the gospel. This is the good news. So here's today's big idea. To summarize, we covered about 30 verses in the text today. Summarize it in one or two sentences. The entire world was forever changed when Jesus died on the cross. So I want to invite you to come to the cross of Christ. If you've been a Christian for many years, come back to the cross. If you've never been to the cross and received Christ, today's the day of salvation. Today's your day. 
So here's what this looks like. I just want to close with painting this picture. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you know him, here's your big challenge. Reach people, reach people. I'll say that again. Reached people, reach people. So here's the thing. Who are you bringing to the cross? How many people have you personally led to Jesus in the past year? You're like, oh, let me spread it five years, ten years. Billy Graham once said, it's so sad that the average Christian will never lead anyone to Christ. Reached people will reach people. So if you are following Jesus, you enter into the mission of Jesus to seek and to save the lost. So what about for those of you listening, you've never accepted Christ. I want you to see yourself as the criminal. I want you to see yourself as Barabbas. Jesus died in your place, but you have to be willing to receive it. So I'm going to close in a word of prayer. And first of all, I'm going to pray for the believers that you would just get passionate about Jesus. You would get passionate about the cross. You would get passionate about the gospel and you would start sharing it. My, my goal for everyone listening is every year win one person to Christ. Each one reach one. So I'm going to pray a prayer and I, I want you to recommit your life to being a soul winner. To say, Jesus, I'm, I'm going to reach people. When you give me an opportunity, I'm going to present the gospel. So let's pray. Father, we've looked at six characters around the cross of Christ. We've seen Barabbas, God, how he was this lawbreaker. We see Simon, who was a foreigner, but yet was following after you. We see the daughters of Jerusalem that had problems coming ahead, and God was warning them. We see the ruthless criminal that even towards the end of his life, he was still rejecting grace. And we see the redeemed criminal who said, God, Lord Jesus, remember me. And Jesus said, friend, today you'll be with me in paradise. And Father, all these characters point to the Redeemer Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came to save the lost. So right now, Father, I want to pray for all the believers. And I just want to ask, even at your home, just to bow your head. And if you are a follower of Jesus, and when I ask how many people have you led to Christ in the past year, you thought of no one in the past five years, you still couldn't name a soul. I want you to say this prayer. God, I realize that if I've been reached by you, I need to start reaching people for you. This is the great commission not the great suggestion. So God, forgive me for not taking the words of Christ seriously to be a soul winner, to make disciples. So I recommit myself to the great commission of making disciples, of winning people to Christ. So help me, God. And the next year before 2020 ends, help me to at least share the gospel with one person. And I pray that you would save that person, that you would give me an opportunity. Please help me. As the believers continue to pray, I want to speak to someone today that You've never accepted Christ. You are Barabbas. You are like the criminal on the cross. And I just want you to reach out to God and to say a prayer of faith like this. Lord Jesus, remember me. I do believe in you. And Jesus, I realize I've never invited you into my life. I've never asked you to forgive me of my sins. So today, I confess my faith to you. I believe that you are the Son of God. You did die on the cross, but you didn't stay dead. You rose the third day. So, Jesus, I invite you into my life to be my Lord and my Savior and my best friend. Please forgive me of all my sins. I turn from my sins and I turn to you. I choose to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks again for joining us today on behalf of Kurt and Angie and all our friends at Arden First. We, we, we encourage you to come back and join us next Sunday. I've got another fresh message for you. Go ahead and share this message on your Facebook so we can get the word out. And if you made a decision today, please let us know. 
You can email us at office at ardenfirstbaptist.org or send us a direct message right here on Facebook. Until next week. Thanks for being our special guest today. We pray that today's message inspires you to live an extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about having a relationship with Jesus, please email us at office at ardenfirstbaptist.org. If you live in the Asheville area, we would love for you to be our guest at Arden First Baptist Church. For more inspiring resources, visit us online at ardenfbc.com. Join us next week for another message from Pastor Timothy Brown.